Welcome everyone to Discipleship Podcasts with the Bend International Church of Christ. I'm Joey Hungerford and I just want to introduce you to season eight of our podcast, which is the year 2023. And we're exploring a lot of real life theology this year, the Holy Spirit, uh, faithful faith, the grand meta narrative of the Bible, disciple making, and so much more. So I'm excited that you're here. I hope that you stay tuned. Please give us a review and share it with your friends. God bless. Series, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but actually all year we are under, under the theme of being encouraged by the Holy Spirit, being strengthened by him as uh, the church has been throughout all of history and we can at any time if we choose to do so. Encouraged by the Spirit is our theme for the year. And so a, a little bit of review of what we have been talking about with the Holy Spirit. And I, I just got to stop and say right now, I, I hope that the Spirit can speak to us today and can speak through the sermon today. I have a lot of scriptures today, which is good because sometimes Joey is wrong, but the scriptures are always right and the Holy Spirit speaks through them. So that's what we're doing. A little bit of review. We, uh, we've been answering some questions on the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, we were broken up into discovery groups, which we do every other Sunday. And we talked about how when we have the indwelling of the Spirit, it transforms us from the inside out. Yes, we got to cultivate things, but it's as if we have a new DNA where the Spirit can help us to bear fruit and we can rely on Him. The, the sermon before that, then, we talked about being led by the Holy Spirit. And I leaned into the, the spiritual discipline of prayer by which we can be led by the Spirit. Be more susceptible to the Spirit. Be more, just lean into the Spirit. And uh, there, there are actually more spiritual disciplines than prayer. We're going to talk about one of them today. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit's mission and how we can join Him there. And that mission is one of them. Here's a list of spiritual disciplines from a guy, uh, Donald S., Whitney, he wrote a book on them that's pretty popular. A lot of college kids read it. He lists here uh, Bible intake and meditation, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. Um, many spiritual disciplines or spiritual formations, practices and rhythms that help us to be relational and help us to be in sync with the Spirit. So ripping the band off, band-aid off, we're talking about number four today, evangelism. And sometimes we can have a negative connotation with that word, maybe because it's not in the Bible. So if you don't like that word, you can throw it out. Use another word like mission, which actually mission isn't in the Bible. But more intense words are in the Bible, <laughs> like the Holy Spirit empowering us to bear witness, to even be a martyr for the sake of Christ and take up our cross and follow him. And we have Evangelion, the good news by which we get evangelism and all those things. But it does sometimes, for me, it has in the past, sent a bit of a, a shiver up my spine. Because sometimes we get into evangelism and it can be, uh, you know, multi-level sales pitch or marketing or uh, something that seems a little too uh, coming up with a whole presentation and convincing someone of something rather than just helping them to fall in love with Jesus. Today we're talking about the mission that is the Holy Spirit's because he's the primary missionary and we want to join him in that work. He does the majority of the heavy lifting and it is such good news and we can invite people into that kind of a relationship yeah. rather than one that depends on us. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, it became a negative connotation because in the past, I would go overboard and depend on myself in the mission. And I would do it mostly dependent upon myself. But I had to realize this. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up just when you show up. (laughs) He doesn't all of a sudden appear the moment you enter into a faith conversation, though he is there. He's actually been working in people's lives all throughout their life. And long before you ever came on the scene and entered into it, the Holy Spirit has been working there. We need to discern when and where to join him. Amen, church? We want to close that gap of being uh, nervous about that word evangelism by relying on the Holy Spirit. In uh, Gallup polls, or no, Barna polls, they, they find that Christians, about 50% of them these days, believe that they shouldn't share someone with different beliefs about Jesus because they've been burnt out or afraid of words like evangelism or it's politically incorrect today. So I say rely on the Spirit and take yourself out of the equation more. Amen, guys? All right. There are some good words that are in the Bible, so let's get into those scriptures and words today. That is the introduction. But ask yourself, how can we join the Spirit who is the primary missionary? And why talk about this? Why depend on Him in evangelism? Why, out of a Holy Spirit series, all of the great things that the Holy Spirit does for us? By the way, next Sunday, we'll talk more about Romans 8 and the incredible relationship and grace that we see about there. But today, why talk about evangelism in a Holy Spirit series? Well, I think that Jesus talked about evangelism. I think Jesus' priority was to come and seek and save the lost. And Jesus sets the priority. We don't set the priority. He came to help those who are sick because the sick needed the doctor, not the healthy. And if we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit more, We have to identify more with the sick ourselves, who need a doctor, who need the Holy Spirit in our life. We know from Jesus that when just one sinner repents, Jesus constantly said that the heart of God is that all heaven rejoices. And I want to live a life of repentance, one that heaven is rejoicing over, one that heaven isn't silent on. So I hope the Spirit can convict us today, help us repent today, and come alongside us today. This quote, the church of Christ does not so much have a mission as the mission of Christ has a church. There's that shift in thinking to the Holy Spirit being the main evangelist, being the main missionary. I said it in the last sermon, we don't have to sit around and wait for the Holy Spirit to show up. The Holy Spirit is waiting for us. And I think we can breathe a sigh of relief in that. And I think that we can have less stress because of that, that he is still seeking and saving the lost and never stopped, working all along and waiting for us to join him. John 6, 44, it says that God draws men unto himself. John 16, 8 says that he convicts them and helps them and comforts them. And very likely when you do enter a faith conversation with someone or a missional conversation, He probably prompts you and gives you the words, or at the very least, when you think of a Bible verse, guess what? The Holy Spirit wrote that. He is there, and He is very present. Scripture. We see this in the life of Jesus. We're mainly going to spend our time there in Scripture. Let's look at Jesus and imitate Jesus, His relationship with the Spirit, and the early church that we see in the book of Acts with the Spirit. 
We see in the scriptures, I'm not going to read them all, but I, I will reference them here, so I encourage you to read them, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. He was poured out by the ascended Christ to continue the mission of Christ. We see it in the life of Jesus there in Luke 3. We see it in the book of Acts later on, just confirming that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. His mission began there. He was empowered by the Spirit, first to go in the desert for 40 days, which I think is difficult, <laughs> and then empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the good news to the poor and to the blind and the brokenhearted, which should give us a hint of where the Spirit might want us to go as well. The church's mission begins with the outpouring of the Spirit as well in Acts chapter 2. I think I might have that on this slide. I do, right here. I'll go ahead and switch over. But in the same way that the Spirit empowers the mission of Jesus, the Spirit empowers the mission of the church to continue that mission, to continue the proclaiming, to continue the healing, to continue Jesus' kingdom mission. He empowers us to take Jesus' proclamation, his liberty to the captives, Everything we saw that Jesus did to continue that work in our co-mission with the Spirit. I'm kind of just spending a moment here so that we can absorb these passages and I don't zoom through them because they're incredible. So I, I will highlight, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and that the Spirit was poured out and that uh, it'll be on all of the servants, both male and female. And it says later in Acts 4 that when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. It's what they are empowered to do right there. Again, he empowers us to be martyrs, witnesses for the kingdom of God, for Jesus. I know that I need that. If, uh, if I'm going to be a martyr, if I'm going to do half the things that these scriptures talk about, whether it's Jesus or the church later in the book of Acts, I need the Holy Spirit. I can't do it without him. I know I need to imitate Jesus' own dependence on the Spirit. Yeah. And never forget that the same Spirit who empowers you to say Jesus is Lord and all these difficult things is the same Spirit by which you can cry, Abba, Father, when it's really difficult. Father who wants to adopt us as sons, who deeply cares for us in a loving relationship. Not just to go out there and do hard things. There's so much more to the relationship than that. Amen, guys? Amen. All right, we're in Acts 2. I'll spend a minute here on these scriptures. Uh, Jesus lived by both. Both Jesus is Lord and God is my Father who deeply loves me and is well pleased in me. Abba, Father. I think that's a great balance for us to have as well. Jesus lived by both and we can too. And it, it empowered Jesus to identify with the poor the marginalized, the outcast people of his time to invite them to participate in the feast of his kingdom, it can empower us to do the same. When we look at Jesus' ministry characterized by compassion and justice and generosity, joy and forgiveness and holding possessions lightly, I think we can do the same. And our mission should look the same if it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Luke 7, I think it's 7.22, John's disciples, they say, wow, look at Jesus who's doing all of these things. And they said, this is fulfilling so much of the Old Testament. This is the kingdom coming. It's a sign and a means of the kingdom coming when these things are happening, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
So that's Jesus. We continue with the first century church because the Spirit not only enabled them to forgive one another, to be unified with one another, to sing songs to one another, but the Holy Spirit filled them to be the most evangelistic church in all church history. Acts 4.31, I already read that, so I'll move forward here. But that's just a highlight verse for me. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So I'll just share humbly, I'm not a very bold person. (laughs) I know I need to pray. I know I need the Holy Spirit. I know that I'm not effective in the mission at all without the Holy Spirit empowering. And I think that the first century church wouldn't have been effective without the Spirit either. Because it enables us to follow a sacrificial path, that taking up of the cross. The thing we all choose to do at our baptism when we die with him. It empowers us to do amazing things. All of these, I said there are means of the kingdom of God coming by the Holy Spirit that he empowers us to do. There are signs and wonders. I got to lift up some of you for uh, the other night. This is a sign of the kingdom. When you see things like this going on, and some of you were empowered by the Holy Spirit to donate money. Some of you were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and shop and buy items. And it was great to see the Holy Spirit even working on my block. Uh, One neighbor brought a whole car of donations over and another donated $100 and just so many things like that because they saw a good thing to rally behind. I think what they really saw is the Spirit working. They saw the kingdom of God coming a little closer by us getting a little closer to, and we haven't even handed these out yet, but to the poor, the marginalized, outcasts of society. What are you looking at right here? Well, Friday night we put care bags together if you weren't there. We did about 150 of them. Thank you guys for contributing to that and donating to that because I think it is something the Spirit empowers us to do. There's more back here if you weren't there Friday night. We'd like to have a couple on hand in your car to hand out and allow the Holy Spirit to say who could use it and discern who to give it to. Thank you all for being there. It took us about an hour to assemble all those bags. It, it even inspired Sersha. The next day, she got a bag and started putting her toys in it and said, I got to put bags together to give them to people who need help. She was so excited about it. She also tried to take all the gummy bears out of these bags. So you'll win some, you'll lose some. The same way that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit and poured himself out, we're empowered by the Spirit to pour ourselves out as well. Poured into in order to pour into others. Blessed by God in order to bless others. Not for it to end with us and then grow stagnant, but to be transformed by him in the presence of God as it goes into others. That's the intended output. So thank you all for Care Bag Night. There's this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And with that, they immediately, or this is actually Apostle Paul was Filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately proclaimed Jesus right after his baptism. He's a great example. That's an incredible result that you saw with most people baptized in the first century church. That at their baptism, they went straight into proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Again, empowered to do the mission. Experiencing this anointing. In the story of Acts, the Spirit chooses missionaries. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul in Acts 13 too. 
Also, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, don't do a certain mission, which is equally important for us to discern. It says there in Acts 16, that forbidden by the Holy Spirit, forbidden by the Holy Spirit, don't go into Asia. Don't speak the word there. Now, I know I've often heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, you should speak the word here. You should share Jesus with this other person. I've rarely heard him say, like, don't talk about Jesus. <laughs> you know, Keep it to yourself. Walk the other way. But that could happen. Because what could happen is you could end up going and doing a mission in a place that is entirely of your strength and your dependence and has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's what Paul was setting out to do, but I know I've been guilty of that. In which case, the Holy Spirit is probably prodding me, saying, don't do this thing of your own strength. So the Spirit empowers the mission. He can set apart people for the mission, equip them for ministry. He can also say, don't go on a certain mission. Equally important. He opens and closes doors for the mission, keeping the apostles out of Asia. He urged Paul, or rather through other people, through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And you see the Spirit guiding him and when it comes to Rome, to Jerusalem, to all of these missionary outposts. The Spirit says, go here or don't go there. That's the pattern we're given in the New Testament for engaging in the mission. An incredible direction from the Holy Spirit. That's the story of the book of Acts. It's this dynamic process. It's dynamic for Paul to say, stop, go, turn around. It should be dynamic for us as well in discerning him. Amen, guys? Amen. The Spirit might be forbidding something. Here's the thing. If you remove the Spirit from the book of Acts, you might completely meet, miss the mission, right? In fact, I would say probably 100% you would miss the mission of God if you remove the Holy Spirit from what you are doing. However, equally true, if you go through these scriptures and you remove the mission from them, you could totally miss the Holy Spirit because that's where he's working. If you miss the Holy Spirit, you could totally miss God. Charles Spurgeon has a quote to assume that God is calling you. Go on mission unless he tells you not to. When the majority of the time we assume we shouldn't go on a mission unless there's a voice from heaven. Or his exact quote in one sermon, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. And there's many nuances to that, but I think for the most part, Charles Spurgeon is true. I'll share a quick story just to lift others up in this room and to lift the Holy Spirit up because he's the main missionary we depend on. Madison was at the park a couple of weeks ago. Um, only one other dad in the park and a little girl, and they started playing together. And sure enough, she shared about Jesus and church, and they started talking. And he said, oh, yeah, we used to go to a church up in Fairbanks, Alaska. And what's the name of the church? It's the Great Land Christian Church, which is our sister church in our fellowship up there in Fairbanks, Alaska, a thousand miles away. And as it turns out, actually, uh, mutual friends had given his wife Madison's number months ago, but then she never followed up because they knew that they were going to move to Bend, Oregon. And that very same week, another friend up there, Nick Morrill in Fairbanks, Alaska, she called up this gentleman who Madison met at the park because he thought for some reason they were moving to Florida. And he was about to go to Florida and said, hey, are you down in Florida? He said, no, I'm just in, I'm in Bend, actually, and I just met a friend of yours. And so we've gone to the park a few times now, and they're excited to come and try out church soon. 
And I share all of that because working a thousand miles apart, this other couple who is seeking God and studying the Bible, um, that's either a, a huge fluke or it's the Holy Spirit working. Either a huge fluke or the Holy Spirit working. That We could go through every single person's testimony here. Um, it, it's great to see uh, on campus. I don't have a lot of time to go around and convince people of Jesus on campus and just sit there in the cafeteria and have a meal and invite, invite a couple other people over, but it's great. Crystal's here from campus. Something about the Holy Spirit bringing her around. Keg, hopefully not convinced by me or my great looks or anything like that, but Holy Spirit coming out. Francisco and Tico, we've been in a, a prayer relationship for over a year and just got to say welcome. I think the Holy Spirit works through prayer. And I just say that because you guys are a little new in coming out this year, but everyone else <laughs> here because of the Holy Spirit. Let it not be for any other reason. Amen, church? And I think what I meant to get at with campus ministry is that on campus, you can kind of walk around COCC and not see another soul for about an hour or two. Is that fairly accurate, guys? Yeah. And so you just pray for an hour or two, and then the Holy Spirit has been bringing more and more people out to Alpha Omega Bible Talk there. Cannot do it without the Spirit. The mission is stunted when we're not receptive to the Spirit. It can't move forward when we're not filled with the Spirit. I want to talk about that filling metaphor. As much as the Spirit is being poured out on us, we can be filled up by Him. But as much as that is happening, we can quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit. We can do all sorts of things. We can even insult the Spirit, Hebrews 10, 29 says. We can experience the Spirit in fuller ways by being filled with Him. Now, we all have the same standard. We all have the same commitment as disciples. We all have the same love, and we're in this together, but we can choose to experience the Spirit in fuller ways or not. To have greater measures of maturity in the Spirit by the amount to which we allow the Spirit to influence us and fill us. And that's something I hope that everyone can experience in this room. To have a more intense, more intimate influence of the Spirit. To not diminish or quench the Spirit. But we can choose every week to experience Him again. He's always giving us a chance to fully open our eyes to Him. To fully open our lives to Him. To fully experience Him once again and be filled. It comes down to our choice. I say that because, uh, again, this, this sermon, I'm highlighting mission. With every spiritual formation or discipline, you can experience the Spirit in a unique and powerful way. So for me, I love to go up to the mountains and meditate, and I experience the Spirit in a great way, but I don't go hiking to the neglect of ever reading my Bible or praying or these other spiritual disciplines. And I probably neglect uh, journaling quite a bit. And no, he wouldn't want us to feel uh, condemned if we never write a journal. But he does convict us to not neglect areas of our spiritual formation, our overall spiritual formation. And the mission is one of them. And so I just say that the Spirit wants to strengthen you 
with might in your inner being to experience him in deeper and more intimate ways and to know his love in more unique ways by engaging in mission, which is simply, as Jesus did, reaching out to poor, marginalized, outcast, seeking and saving the lost and letting heaven rejoice. He can be experienced there. This is how you ascertain the truth. Here's a quote. The truth of spiritual experience, it propels you back toward the world and other people and not simply more deeply within yourself. Here's where we get the idea of being poured into in order to pour into others. And I'll just highlight for Paul. It says here, uh, through the power of the Spirit, his message came. With power with the Holy Spirit, both in Romans and 1 Thessalonians. Again, the Holy Spirit who wrote down on the page this gospel himself, says that word also comes to people with deep conviction and with power of the Holy Spirit. It's so transformative when we can lead people to the word of God and to get into the Bible. But allow the Spirit to work there as well. Amen, guys? That's the essential character of a church when that transformation is taking place. Again, just out of a heartfelt obedience to fuel transformation before the presence of God. That's why we do it. So I ask you, are you leading others to obey by the power of the Spirit? As Paul says, he led others to obey here by the power of the Spirit. Or are you leading them to obey by some other power or some other motive? Without the Spirit, obedience is not fun. (laughs) When the work of the Spirit is diminished, discipleship gets stressful. It gets too sacrificial. It gets too self-righteous. It quickly becomes moralistic or legalistic or humanistic. Moralistic is where you do things uh, to, to try harder for the sake of if I just try harder, I can get it done. And legalism, it's a natural and constant human temptation. It is for me. It's to do things out of a sense of rule keeping rather than relationship. But the more we're filled with the Spirit, the more we can resist both of those temptations. Experience Him more deeply and be fulfilled in our mission. For Paul, for all the New Testament, life in the Spirit was a Spirit-filled mission in a Spirit-filled community. That's what we want to have here as well. With that comes a lot of suffering when the mission comes. It generates distaste amongst people. There's pressure, there's opposition, there's persecution. Public witness to Christ and God and his kingdom usually generates some disagreement. That's where we need to rely on the Spirit as well. Challenges run hard when we depend on the Spirit. That's actually one of the ways that the Spirit forms our character. To invite us more deeply into depending on him. Not by our own might, not by our own control, but by the way of Jesus, his sacrificial love and us imitating that. So I'll end with this passage. (coughs) 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. You know, the church that engages on mission, it isn't promised success. 
grab this, if you could pass those around. It isn't promised success, but it is promised peace in the midst of tribulation. And I'm passing around something for you to take home with you today. But Paul's mission rests on this key point. I got to say, I'm not wise or persuasive, or at least I hope not to be, but I constantly fall back into that temptation. The scriptures talk about us. It is when we are weak that God chooses us rather than being puffed up by our own strength or knowledge. Paul said here that his life was his message and it's a life that depends on the Holy Spirit. Can't be explained in any other terms except the Holy Spirit. Let our lives say the same thing. So we got rubber duckies being passed around. I say, uh, don't just take my word for it, but take the Spirit's portion. The Spirit, that's something from Philippians. Paul said that we can have an extra portion of the Spirit to endure hardship or opposition or to raise nine puppies or whatever it is that we're going through. Thank you. But don't just take my word for it. Read these scriptures for yourself. See what the Spirit is saying for yourself. The Spirit isn't, the witness of the Spirit to others isn't given out of talent or success, but it's given out of the church's weakness, the church's ignorance, so that we can have a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Amen, church? Let's live that posture to have a Holy Spirit-filled life. So why do you have a rubber ducky? Well, it's to remind us that we should have a posture of weakness, a posture of ignorance, but also to remind us of what the Spirit can do in our lives. So there's a story from Soren Kierkegaard, an old Danish philosopher, lived a couple hundred years ago, and he was sometimes frustrated with the church of his day, and he told this parable, this story. Here's the story and the meaning of the rubber ducky. Oh, I had one more slide. This is just to build the suspense. There we go. <coughs> this is what comes up on Google Images when you Google a duck and church. It's some interesting stuff. Someone has a church of a duck. And in Indonesia, someone even built a church that looks like a duck. And some people just see ducks in odd places, like that church right there. And uh, some people actually collect rubber duckies as a hobby and put together uh, panoramas like this. <laughs> but here's a story from Soren Kierkegaard that connects with all of this. I hope you're left with this image today and that it's ingrained on you. And told a story of a make-believe country where only ducks lived. And on Sunday mornings, all the ducks came into church. They waddled, out, waddled down the aisle. They waddled into their pews and they squatted. Then the duck minister came in. He probably looked like that guy. And he took his place behind the pulpit, even though we don't have one today. But this is in the duck country. He opened the duck Bible and he read, Ducks, you have wings. And they all quacked, right? You have wings, and with wings you can fly like eagles. You can soar to, into the skies. Ducks, you have wings. And all the ducks yelled, Amen. And then they all waddled home, and no one flew, and no one even tried. And so I hope you take this duck today, and I hope you know that as disciples, you have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Not to waddle this week, but to soar. There's some Sharpies going around as well. You can, if 
you feel so inclined, write on the bottom a promise from the Holy Spirit that you've heard through this series, maybe a scripture reference, or maybe a calling of what you feel the Holy Spirit is empowering you to specifically do. And so when you see this rubber ducky, you can think to yourself, why waddle when you can soar and be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Choose the Spirit this week and soar. Let's go to our Father in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for you. And sometimes we can be more aware of a, a rubber ducky sitting in our house than we are of your Holy Spirit. But I pray it does accomplish that purpose, God. Um, I pray we take these not as, not as another uh, bookmark or trinket to stick in our Bible, but a reminder of you, that you want us to soar, God, that you empower us. God, help us to not depend on ourselves, on our own our own waddling, Lord, that we do when we try mission apart from you. Help us to remember that you've always been there, God. And God, shake us up. Shake us up. Get us out of the status quo, Lord. Lord, we pray to be a spirit-filled fellowship, empowered by prayer, spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and spirit-filled. God, we can't do that if it wasn't for your son's sacrifice on the cross. And I pray as much as we see this rubber duck and we're reminded of your Holy Spirit that we remember you, your sacrifice on the cross, by which you empower us to take up our own cross, that your body was broken, your blood was spilt, by which we take this bread and juice now, Lord. God, I pray as we take it, we can remember you. Every week when we come together, that we can remember you empower us. In Jesus' name, amen.